This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, and let's see. Um, so my wife and I were watching the the Oscars uh, last Sunday, which is the the annual event where rich narcissists get together to pat themselves on the back by uh, uh, saying how great they are uh, at their at their field and that uh, they're very important and their job is awfully important. Um, but still, we enjoy watching the the Oscars for what it is, and and uh, and, and we like movies. So I can't, you know, I can't get too down on the folks. Uh, we like movies. I've I, I enjoy watching them and talking about movies and such. Um, but anyway, so Amy and I were we were we were watching the uh, the ceremonies take place, and uh, our son Hayden was upstairs uh, doing some homework. Um, without getting into too deep of details here, uh, Hayden had uh, he had fallen behind a bit on on his assignments uh, because he had been sick. He misses he missed four days of school, and uh, you know we gotta we gotta try and keep him from getting sick and 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 get him to tough it out to go to school, you know that kind of thing. Even when he has a sniffles and a cough, you know just go into school. But well. Anyway, he'd kind of fallen back on some assignments. When he got back to school, he was trying to catch up on the old stuff, but get the new stuff done and turned in. While parent-teacher conference night comes along, we find out in three of the classes he's uh, he's not doing so well because of the outstanding assignments. All three of the teachers said, get those assignments into us, you're back up and fine, and, and we can work on improving your grades even from there. But you will get you back you'll get you back into things. But uh, you need to get the stuff to us uh, on Monday. And that was last Thursday night, and it was, uh, or not this last Thursday night, but the Thursday night before. And um, he had the Friday off following, which usually happens after the parent-teacher conference. He gets that following Friday off. And uh, so he had a three-day weekend to work on it. Well, he didn't do anything on on Friday, but uh, he worked on homework on Saturday, and then he worked again on Sunday. And so he was up there working away at his homework. And uh, Amy and I are watching the ceremonies, and Allison Janie, Jenny, whatever her name is, she wins the uh, Best Supporting Actress Award, and she's up giving her acceptance speech. And up at the bottom of the screen pops a crawl, a news crawl from the local station, listing uh, all, the, all these schools in the state and counties or districts or whatever that are going to be closed the next day. No school for that Monday, which would have been uh, March 5th. 
And and we're like, what? Why? Why? Why wouldn't there be any school? And Amy starts looking on her, you know, on her phone thing, uh, checking to find information. She's checking to see if, if there's anything about the St. Paul schools, and we hadn't heard anything yet. But then my phone rings, uh, or a text comes in on my on my phone. I have a nice, really cool flip phone. It's really cool, but it does get texts, and it comes in, and I open it up, and it's it's the school, St. Paul school system, saying no school tomorrow because uh, of weather event, and and that was the other thing that hit us. What weather event? You see, this was Sunday evening. I hadn't seen a weather report since Friday morning. Friday morning was saying, you know, a little maybe rain and maybe some snow with accumulation on Monday, maybe or something. You know, just but nothing, nothing dire. At least I don't recall it being that way. In fact, I was talking to the landlord for the uh, the building, uh, for the company that I work for, and the landlord came in just on the off chance that we had the rent check, a little ahead of time. But he has a it was his day off of his day job, so he came by, and uh, yeah, we're talking. And he says, "Yeah, there's going to be some weather, and you know, it's supposed to rain, maybe turn into some snow." But it was just that kind of casual thing. Nothing, nothing about a severe storm or anything like that. And then we were hearing. So now, um, we see this crawl going across the screen, and then the school, St. Paul school system, they send us the text saying that the school's closed the next day. And Amy's finding the information. This could be up to another nine inches of snow for the Twin Cities. Oh, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> it's just... Uh. <laughs> well, it turned out we got maybe... I don't know, five inches of snow, but it was the heavy stuff, so it kind of compacts, so it doesn't, it's hard to say how many, how much snow you got, because it, it starts to kind of work its way lower on the ground. It compacts, so that it doesn't look as deep, or it's not as deep, then the fluffy stuff probably looks deeper than it actually, than, you know, it's just hard to say exactly how many inches of snow it was. And the reason why the St. Paul districts, at least, I think, at least part of it. They were thinking about the last time there was a snowfall. See, what was predicted for that Monday was that uh, uh, long about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the snow would start to come down really heavy. And that would that would mess up, uh, you know, evening rush hour and kids getting out of school at that time of the day and the buses and all that kind of stuff would cause problems. So they were remembering... From about a month ago or a month and a half ago, we had a big storm that came through, which we got something like a foot of snow. And it started to get heavy right at about the same time of the day, you know, mid or late afternoon, or you know, around the beginning of rush hour, 3 o'clock or something like that. It really started to come down. In fact, it came down a little bit earlier than that. And they, the, they did, for some of the schools, they called it early. You know, those schools that let out at 2 were letting out at 1.30. So my son got out of school early. And that night, this is that earlier storm with more snow, I was out clearing snow after 9 o'clock, and I'm seeing school buses. And then it gets in the news the next day. The St. Paul school system, uh, the busing wasn't working very well. And there were kids still in school at 11 o'clock at night, still waiting for the buses to get pick them up and get them home so kids weren't getting home until after midnight and it's just and or close to and it's just yeah i'm sure that was at least in in the minds of the uh, of the authorities of the saint paul school system saying we don't want to go through that again and it's it's weird that it happened 
I don't recall anything in this news story saying that it happened in Minneapolis. They got just as much snow, or any other school districts. It was just the St. Paul school districts that uh, had the problem. So uh, I head upstairs, uh, and uh, I you know, knock on the door. Uh, my boy is a teenager now, so we always knock on the door before entering, and we wait for him to say, yeah, <laughs> and then we go in. We don't just burst in on him. Because, you know. And uh, anyway, so he's uh, he's sitting there doing his homework. And so I, I said, uh, uh, you got much homework left to do? And he says, no. He says, is that, is that the last of it that you got here? And he says, yeah. Yep. I said, uh, is there much to do? Says, nope, not too much. So you're almost done and you got nothing to do after that? He says, nope. No, well, yeah, I'm almost done. And no, nothing to do after this. And I said, well, good, because uh, enjoy your... Um, your day off of school tomorrow. <laughs> he looked up at me. What? <laughs> Excited. It's like I'm telling him, you know, Santa's coming when he was younger, and I didn't do that much Santa stuff. But you know, anyway, you know, he, he just the, the look of delight, surprise, delight on his face. What? Really? Which kind of disturbs me. I don't want him to not like school. But I, I, I understand what's. I do understand it a bit. But anyway. Uh, so he's, he, you know, and I explained to him there's going to be weather, and they decided to just, you know, cancel school for the day and and all. So he's, so he starts to put his homework down, like he's not going to finish it right then and there. And I said, ah, uh -uh, no, finish your homework, get it done now. You won't have to worry about anything tomorrow. So he did. He finished it up. He didn't have to worry. He had a, he had a day off, and he didn't have to. No worries about homework. So. The, just the look on his face was cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of movies, um, I've been you know I you know I like movies, and um, I was watching I, I I when I listen to people talk about film and making film and critiquing film and that kind of thing they talk about directors all the time. You know, about how the director affects the film. He's a great director and all that. And I, 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 to an extent, I can understand it. But there's some things that, I, that, that I'm still learning about it. I'm, I know I'm 53 years old, and I've been watching movies since I was at least 50. And no, I've been watching for a lot longer than that. Anyway, so I just... I, I, I think that I, I, I'm getting that the director, for the most part, the, I think their biggest part of, of what they do is they make sure the actors understand the, their characters, uh, that they set them up, that the, here's, your, here's where you're drawing your emotional you know, uh, you know, portrayal for this part. This is, here's, you know, they, they give them the motivation. I've heard, I've heard some actors that were saying they were having a hard time uh, getting a, a, a scene or figuring out their character and and they've had really good directors that'll come up and they'll just say something like one sentence to say you know something like uh, when when your character was five years old you you know you saw he, he saw or she saw her, her cat get killed by a, by a car and I don't know if that's I, that's not specific but it's just something like that just a little nugget that the actress says ah I've got it you know, just a little nugget. And it, so that's, I understand that aspect of the director getting the performance. And I also understand the, the aspect of the director working with the cinematographer to you know, light the scenes properly, to get to set the moods, where to put the camera, how to move the camera, how to move the actors within 
the the, the scene the, to to tell the story and all that to, to make it right to make it work uh, I can understand that as well but where it gets murky with me is that isn't it in the script <laughs> I mean isn't it there it's 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 there's a script right when they start the movie they they know they have a beginning they have a middle and an end they they should have it all set up shouldn't they and there is i know of one director uh, alfred hitchcock who from what i understand when he went to do his movies he had them all worked out you know, he starts started with a script and he had worked out i think that he did extensive uh, storyboards you know the little drawings that indicate the scenes and camera angles and movement and stuff like that he had it all worked out before uh, uh, before he sat down to work with the actors um, and and if I remember correctly he would make comments like you know that was the movie was made and then he just had to go through this formality of actually filming the actors doing the stuff the the, the film was already completed as far as he was concerned he just has to do all this stuff with the actors and 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 he that wasn't necessarily his favorite part so the, so there's someone like him who comes to a movie that where it's all prepared and then there's there's uh, uh, I guess there are some you know directors like uh, I guess Robert Altman has some sort of a script kind of thing but then they just improvise a lot it depends on which films he's he's he, we're talking about but <laughs> It's just work it out with the actors and then film stuff and then put it together somehow. Um, so there's those guys. But, uh, <clears throat> and and then there's instances like, you know, the movie um, Casablanca. Uh, Casablanca, which uh, was made just after the United States got involved in World War II, uh, after Hitler started it. Never mind. That's a reference to somebody who might listen to the show. She'll understand. Anyway, um, it's it was being made at the very early stages of uh, the U.S. involvement in World War II. Uh, early in 1942, we, you know, of course, you should remember that uh, the United States got directly involved in World War II, um, or at least declared their direct involvement in World War II uh, uh, after December 7th. 1941. I think it was December 8th, the next day, Congress declared war on Japan, and in doing so, Germany declared war on us, and then we said, okay, fine, and we declared war on them, and, and it all got started. I don't think, you know, it took a while for the United States to get into the war uh, directly. Uh, I think they were actually into it quicker in the Pacific than they were in the, in the European campaign, but don't quote me. But so this movie, Casablanca, is being made. And it's it's it came through as an unproduced script for a play called Everybody Comes to Ricks or Everybody Goes to Ricks or something like that. And they thought this hasn't this is an idea for it. And here's the thing about Casablanca. It was made by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers would make at the, in those days would make about 50 movies a year, which is works out to about once a, one movie a week. And as far as they were concerned, this was just just one of the movies. This wasn't a prestige picture. It was. It was. It was a picture that was, you know, an A-list picture. But it was. It was not thought of like this is going to be. This is going to be our studio's signature film, which it became. Uh, it. It's. This is just one of the fifty movies that we're working on. 
And when they started production, only about half the script was complete. And from what I was learning today, I just checked this out on Wikipedia, just a quick refresher course, but there's a book called uh, The Usual Suspects, which talks about the making of uh, Casablanca. I've read that. It's been a while, though. Um, they, it was done, it was filmed largely in sequence. You know, a lot of times movies are done, you know, not in sequence. <laughs> you know, they might, they might film the ending of the movie uh, long before they even film the beginning of the movie. It just depends on how they can schedule things and, uh, you know, what, what locations are available and actors are available and all that kind of stuff. They've got all the logistics that goes into these things and somehow sets up where these scenes are going to be filmed and then they get put together into the movie in the edit. And then, um, so uh, so since the movie was essentially being written as they're they're filming it, they did it pretty much straight through, uh, beginning to end, and that may have added to the performances of some. You know, uh, Ingrid Bergman. She, now she was voicing frustration in this because it's a love triangle movie set against uh, you know, the intrigue of uh, of uh, you know pre-United States involvement in World War II. It was, it, the movie was set before uh, before uh, the United States got directly involved. And uh, Humphrey Bogart is playing Rick, the owner of this, this, this cafe, bar, restaurant, entertainment, casino complex sort of thing in this you know exotic town in northern Africa called Casablanca and, and and refugees try to you know they come to Casablanca hoping to get to some place in Spain to Lisbon in Spain and maybe get to America or the United Kingdom or you know to get away from the Nazis and and Rick is this completely neutral guy and all that but it there's a love triangle triangle between Rick and Ilsa played by Ingrid Bergman and uh, Victor Laszlo, who Victor Laszlo is this uh, resistance guy. He's big in the resistance. He's been uh, the the Nazis have been trying to get him. They had him in a concentration camp for a while, but he escaped. And they keep chasing him through Europe. And he, and uh, you know, uh, so Ingrid Bergman doesn't know which man, which of the two characters she's going to end up with at the end of the movie. Uh, I won't give things away, but geez, the movie came out in 1942 for crying out loud! If you don't know it. But she didn't know, and I think that might have added to uh, um, the unpredictability of life. You know, in, in, yeah, because you know, because her character didn't know who she was going to be leaving with, or exactly. She 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 may have thought one guy, but you know, maybe the other guy. You know, it's it's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. It came out outstanding, considering that it didn't have a great script uh, to work with. Uh, they had to. Build it along as they as they went, and as I said, when it came out, I think it won Best Picture, um, and it, it became Warner Brothers' signature film for for decades after that. Still, I think is considered you know their signature film. Anyway, um, but there is other stuff I want to talk about movies, but I have to go to my first break. I believe so. Yes, it looks like the time is right. So I'm going to head to this first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. I shall return shortly.
that beats all the competition. And we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. This is Meryl Streep. There's so much in life we can't control. But here's something we can. Colorectal cancer. It's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., but it is almost entirely preventable. Screening finds polyps so they can be removed before they turn into cancer. If you're over 50, get screened for colorectal cancer. Screening saves lives. It could really save your life. For more information, call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jen, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, before, before I get to the uh, the uh, the movie talk that I was going to continue on, let's. I'm going to sneak in one of these. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> you see, some weeks ago, I talked about um, when you're uh, a pedant the way I am, and I try to control it. I really do. I, I, I try not to be uh, um, calling it every time I see something. I try not to do the Well, actually, every time something comes up, I, I let things go and because I don't want to be quite that guy. And on my show... I, I'm almost. I think I'm beginning to be expected to have a pedantic moment at least once every show. But I don't know if I'll manage to do that every week. But on my show, I can do the pedantic thing because it's you know, it's part of who I am. It's hopefully these things are a little fun and and, and I know it's they're not very serious. It's tongue in cheek. Try to be. Uh, so anyway, some weeks ago. Uh, I was talking about you know when you're a pedant and and other people know about that and you you pull some pedantry pedantry uh, uh, on something and then you get that this bit of a reputation and then you should also be prepared that other people will hold you to your pedantic nature sometimes that they will they will call you on it when you yourself are not being pedantic enough about something they'll call you on it and I was called on something. A few weeks ago, uh, when it came to a certain, uh, it's not a diet beverage, but uh, when it came to a certain Coca-Cola product, that um, uh, I I was told by one of the Minnesota skeptics, Beth, 
uh, said to me because I called this this product I called it Coke Zero and she corrected me and she said that it's Coke Zero Sugar and no there's no comma between the zero and sugar she wasn't being sweet to me or anything she was just saying no it's Coke Zero Sugar because uh, Coca-Cola uh, revamped this this taste of Coke Zero and uh, so that uh, it was better to try to improve the taste and they wanted to sell the idea that there's no sugar in it so just saying Coke Zero didn't seem to do that so they expanded the name the Coke Zero Sugar and I said ah, fair enough I accepted her word on that and that's fine the other day though I was uh, partaking in a Coke Zero sugar and I noticed something about the uh, 12 ounce can uh, on the well it's hard to say the front of a cylinder but you know where the label is the the main part of the label of the can uh, it says it doesn't say Coke Zero it says coca-cola zero sugar so it's not just coke it's coca-cola zero sugar that's what it says right there son huh that's interesting hmm but if you turn the can around turn it around and on the part of the can just there above the nutrition facts when well, the, the government says you have to put that on there so people know how much sugar is in something, or how much sodium, how much vitamins or whatever, this kind of stuff in there. <clears throat> the nutrition facts. Right above it are the words Coke Zero TM. It's trademarked Coke Zero. You know, last week when I was talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken and KFC, you know, the conspiracy theory all about that because of whatever, uh, Coke, uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is still the name of the company, but they've changed its the public name to KFC. Easier to say, doesn't focus completely on the fried chicken. They have other things to offer. It's catchier, fits on a sign better. Yeah. yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so really, the official stance for this pedantic moment uh, on the Dimland Radio Show is that uh, Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, Coca-Cola Zero, Coke Zero Sugar, Coke Zero are all acceptable. Although the trademark, at least on the can, is Coke Zero. <clears throat> so, hey, I turn out to be right. <laughs> I, you know, it's, 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 there you go. That's it's we're both right. Beth is right, I'm right, we're both right. It's just yeah. Okay. So, I was saying about this uh the the movie stuff and the director and how you know, how this works. Well, I've been learning some stuff. You know, YouTube has some information on there that's interesting and I stumbled across this uh the other day. Uh some person had put together a uh 20 minute or so video uh, talking about the movie Star Wars. And I will link to this on the show notes. You can get to the show notes by going to uh, dimland.blogspot.com or just go to dimland.com and click on the blog option. 
and you'll see the show notes and there should be links in there and everything uh, by the inc incidentally you can download you can subscribe to dimland radio on ztalk or follow on podbean and check your wherever your pod catching apparatus sizes are and you can you know you know See if you can find Dimland Radio and get it from there. Um, you can always go to uh, ztalkradio.com and go to the show archives page and find the, the latest show on there. It usually should should work. Uh, but hey, subscribe on iTunes. And if you do and you like the show, give me a good review and, and a five star. How about that? That would be cool. And maybe tell a friend to say you might like this guy. He talks about a bunch of stuff and he throws in some skepticism here and there. And he's a bit of a pedant. And geez, I've come to think of it, why would anybody listen to him? Anyway. <laughs> Um, well, this particular piece talks about the importance of editing, and it's called Star Wars, how it was, uh, or how Star Wars was saved by the edit. I think that's the exact title. And I just watched it again today. And let me tell you, um, it, George Lucas... <sighs> Was I, I, we knew he was not a great director when he came to actors. And when you watch the 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 there's uh, the, the making of Star Wars uh, shows that are out there, there's various ones, and there's one where Harrison Ford's talking about talking to George about uh, you know how to play a scene, what should he do, and all that. And, and he said the way George would say was, "Well, it's right there on the page. Just do that." <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't be like a, a, an actor's director saying, "Okay, here's where you're at. This is your motivation. This is what's happened in the scene before. Uh, this is what's happened up at the story to this point. So you remember, they have this in mind, and the, the character you're acting with. You know, he doesn't do anything like that. He's just it's on the page. Just do that. And anyway, so um, the movie was released in in May 1977. And I guess it was in February 1977, uh, George had some friends over to watch a rough cut of Star Wars. Didn't have a lot of the special effects in there, uh, just a lot of little hold placeholders, like little drawing of the Death Star, and you know, didn't have everything together. The sound effects weren't quite there, uh, the soundtrack wasn't there, and it just, it just wasn't all together, but... It was. It should. You know, I'm sure Lucas felt that it was enough to give his friends the idea of what this movie is, and he wanted to get their opinion. And two of the people in, in the audience that night were Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma. And here's there's a difference between George Lucas from 1977 and George Lucas from 20 years later, when he started messing with the movies that he made. You know, doing this the special editions where he went back and changed a bunch of stuff, which was just ridiculous. And he and and some of the changes he made to the to the uh, special editions of Star Wars, you know, changing the backgrounds a little bit or at fleshing some stuff out uh, didn't bother me too much. Some of the scenes got a little too cluttered. Uh, but you know, that didn't bother me too much. But you know what the you know the the fact that Greedo got a shot off because he doesn't. In the original film, Han shoots Greedo. Greedo doesn't even get a chance to shoot. And that was the biggest complaint raised by fans. And I have I have a VHS collection of these movies, letterboxed, undoctored. Or well, he did tinker with them a little bit, but the the big tinkering came out at that other point. In I think it was 97 or something late 90s. 
And then, of course, this, the, the, the prequels come out. And so the difference between that Lucas from 77 and the Lucas from 97 was that in 77, he had people that would say, no, this doesn't work. What the hell are you thinking? This doesn't make any sense. He had people that would say that. 20 years later, he's mega powerful. He's surrounded by pretty much yes people that if some disagreed with them, they, they had to be very gentle about it. Uh, but he just, it's, yeah, boss, that's a great idea, boss. Yeah, that's great, boss. Uh, I, you know, they, they, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, uh, Greedo should get a shot off first. Yeah, that's 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 great. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, brilliant. Uh, give Darth Maul barely more screen time than Boba Fett. How do you come up with this stuff, boss? You know, that's the that's the kind of things that was happening later on. But at the initial step, he's got Brian De Palma saying, "This no, this is a mess. This doesn't make any sense." So. Brian De Palma actually helped rewrite the crawl that goes at the beginning of the screen of the film, which was a lot longer, and the and uh, uh, um, the editors. There's a there were three editors who worked on him. One of them was Lucas's wife at the time, Marsha, and she was a big time film editor at the time. And I heard a story, uh, I heard it told, I think by uh, Dana Gould, that said when when Marsha saw the film, she said, S -s -s "Give me this movie." <laughs> and she did some cutting, and everybody else did some cutting. And so when you watch this, it'll it helps you learn through Star Wars how editing works and how it's important, and you know, and 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 how it helps build suspense in the story. Because the ending was completely different, as far as uh, the Death Star was not about to destroy the uh, the rebels. The Death Star was just floating out there in space. Uh, that whole end sequence was pretty much done by the editing of his wife. And then the scenes where they're building the tension of the Death Star coming around that the planet and it's heading toward where the rebel base is on that moon, um, that was all... Uh, you know, they, they would be voiceovers, there'd be shots that don't show anybody talking, but you'd hear the voiceovers of stuff and inserts to just build the tension. That was Marsha Lucas. That was all her, uh, according to this this video piece it's really fascinating it's just it's it's really cool it's a 20 minute thing and it's it's really cool uh you should check it out and uh, you know it's it's star how star wars was saved by the edit or in the edit or something like that you'll find it and i'll link to it on the show notes anyway uh let's see what time have i got here okay as long as i'm talking about movies i will make a movie recommendation for you guys uh it's it's streaming on netflix it's called the way back and let's see it's from uh, it's from 2010, and it's based on what is supposed to be a true story. It might be a little stretched claims, but uh, it's it's about a group of uh, prisoners in a uh, Soviet gulag in Siberia. They escape, and pretty much on foot, uh, well, no, not pretty much, on foot, they walk their way out of Siberia, out of Russia, into Mongolia, through Mongolia, through the Gobi Desert, into uh, China, into Tibet, into the Himalayas, and eventually make their way to India. And it's something like 4,000 miles that they walked. I'm not sure how long it took. It's it the the escape was uh, toward the beginning of World War II, 
um, you know, in, in Europe at the beginning there, so like 1939, and it took them quite a while to make it. Uh, it's, but it's a, it's it, it. I thought it was a pretty interesting film to watch how they how they managed, how they survived. Uh, it has, it's a little jumbly at the beginning, where they don't establish who's all going very well because it's you get three or four guys that you okay these guys are going and then all of a sudden there's another four or five guys when it happens and then when the escape happens it's just kind of a chaotic mess uh with people running around yelling and shooting and whatever but it's 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 real it's done really quickly so that they can spend more time dealing with the obstacles they faced um how the the men uh, that had escaped um, somebody joins the group at some point along the way uh, there's and how they all interact with each other and the way the relationships change and that kind of thing and um, I think it's pretty good and it's, it's that's fascinating and it's streaming on Netflix so what can it hurt it's directed by Peter Weir it stars Ed Harris and who else uh, oh Colin Farrell is in it um, and Mark Strong. Mark Strong is a is an actor who uh, he was in Kick Ass. And he was an Imitation Game. He plays uh, a fellow that's that lets the new prisoner. There's a young guy that's in there, and I'm sorry I didn't write his name down. Um, he he's new in the prison, and, and this this Mark Strong plays this guy that's been there for a while, and he lets them know that there's a way out of here. So he gets the idea of escape into the mines. And in the scene where he's talking to this young prisoner, it's at night. They're outside of their barrack or whatever. And they're, they're trying to you know, be avoid, avoid being seen by the guards while they're talking. But, and there's something that happens that, that it took me out of it a little bit. It might take you out of it a little bit. But, but don't worry, it's not something that happens forever. There's a, in, in photography and in film... I've seen it happen in other uh, cases, it's, but it's done better than it was done here. I think the budget in the film wasn't very high, and I think they weren't all that as worried about that aspect of it. But it does kind of distract. And that is, the two fellows are talking to each other. It's dark. They're, the, the, the younger fellow is lit from behind. Uh, guard lights or something. It's, he's lit from behind. So when he's facing the other fellow, who's facing the light, you see his face fine. The other guy's face is kind of hidden in the shadows a little bit. And so you wouldn't really be able to see it that well. But what they do is they lighten it up. They, they, they select the area of his face and they lighten, lighten it up. And you can do that in photography. Um, you can do that in, you know, using, a, well, with computers now. But so, uh, and you can do that in film. I've seen it done in Band of Brothers uh, where it's just, oh, you know, Face looks because you can see that the the dark part doesn't match the dark part around and where it should. It's a little grayer, so and it's okay. They're they're bringing out the face because the face was a little too hidden, hidden by shadow, so they bring it out a little bit by lightening up that little part. So that's fine if it's done well. It's fine, but this time it wasn't done so well <laughs> it, because he, his face look it start. It looks like it's glowing. And and it almost looks like it was not his face, not that actor's face. Like they put in use CGI to put his face on another actor, but it's him because every now and then he turns and looks into the light, and then that effect drops away because now we can see his face better because he's facing the light. So don't let that ruin it for you. 
but you, I just want to prepare you for it. So check out The Way Back. Well, what do you know? I've talked myself to another break. My goodness, am I going to be able to get everything in? I don't know. <laughs> I guess you'll have to come back or just sit tight, and when I come back, we'll find out. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com, and I'll be back uh, again shortly. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Happy Jack wasn't old, but he was Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space age skill and serve your country too. The Aerospace Team, that's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. If this station's not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 coffee. <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I, well, now, now I'm going to do some production. I mean, you know, I'm going I'm to have some production value on this, in this segment. Um, you know how I announce Dimland Radio Science Zeros and Heroes on occasion? Well, I have a Dimland Radio Science Zero for you. Uh, I, I was uh, this I found out uh, from a Minnesota skeptic uh, Travis. He uh, noticed he saw this ad on TV, and I sought it out and I found, and I got the audio for it. Um, I'll describe it for you before we get to it. Um, 
it shows uh, people going into the to a water bar, and the water has uh, this water bar has water from all around the country, municipal water, tap water from all around the country, and and he, and the the spokesperson says uh, 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 that the water has um, the uh, that has the acceptable level of of lead in it, and it's with real people reacting. And the real people are not, what? There's lead in it? So it's, well, okay, so uh, that's enough of a setup. I want to play it for you now. And uh, and hopefully this works. <laughs> i got to put my headphones on. All right, sit tight and listen to this Dimland Radio Science Zero ad. Welcome to the water bar. We have tap waters from all across the country. This water contains an acceptable amount of lead that's well within the drinkable standards. Lead? I thought lead was bad for you. There's a, a legal limit that's okay to have. Lead? No, 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 no. All of these are within the legal limit. Lead, well, does anybody want to drink lead? Would you want to drink lead? <laughs> hey, fresh up a lead! Pure, certified to reduce more contaminants than any other brand. Learn more uh, at knowyourwater.com. How about fearyourwater.com? Um, that that is nothing short of just pure and simple fear mongering. Now the spokesperson never says the water's not safe. He but he never says it is safe. You know, it's it's it, we see on the screen. Sorry, I dropped my pen. Uh, we see on the screen the small writing saying that uh, that the water uh, has. Um, is below 15 parts per billion, billion with a B, uh, of lead. You know that that, and that's actually that's the cutoff. That's what the EPA says. Anything over 15 parts per billion of lead is that's a target. That's actionable. We got to do something. We got to check it out and see what's going on. It's starting to get. You know, I'm sure if there's 16 parts per billion, you're not going to die. <laughs> But that's what's going to trigger the EPA to say, okay, we got to find out what's going on, what's raising the levels of the lead. Uh, and so there is also a small uh, print that comes up and says, not all the states have lead, not all the water has lead in it. But see, the makers of this ad, it's pure water filters, they, uh, they get exactly the reaction from the people that they want. Because, you know, the. As I said, the spokesman never says that the the water is safe. He doesn't say that. Uh, he says it's it's an acceptable range. It's acceptable, it, which it is, and that means it's safe. But the way he's he, the reaction is people don't they they miss all that and the, all they think of that this guy's handing them a glass of poison. And the the one fellow there that, that's very animated, saying, "Well, get your cup of lead," you know. So who wants a cup? Of, that's that's not what it is. It, it's it's so the filter might take what a couple parts out. It's really going to be negligible. It's going to be it's it's you're going to waste your money. You know, the water's safe. If it meets EPA standards, it's safe. Uh, I did see a video where a guy is testing. Not necessarily what lead in the water, but he's testing for particulates in the water. How many parts per million of of some kind of whatever might the particulates might be? Um, and so he has uh, he just goes straight from the tap and he checks it out and there's 23 parts per million. 
He has an old filter in his in his it's nearly identical pure uh, water filter system uh, that they that they have in the ad. It's not the same, but it's still you know pure water system. And the filter needs to be changed, so he checks the water with the old filter, and it's 23 parts per million. And so then he puts in a new filter, and he you, you're supposed to run it run the water through it for 10 minutes to to get you know at first initially it's going to have a lot of part- charcoal and particulate stuff in there, but the, whatever that cleans out the water. Uh, you, initially, you're going to have a lot of that, and he tests it as he's going through the rinsing out process, and it's really high. Uh, but I mean, up in the red zone on his little tester, and, uh, um, and then once it gets closer to 10 minutes, he gets a reading of 29 parts per million, which is higher than if it was just the regular tap water. But it's six parts, it's not exactly that much different, and. Somebody in the chat uh, or in the comments on the YouTube thing, I put in a comment saying this is just basic fear mongering, and I chastised them. But uh, and I'm sure people will say, well, you know, the, the ones that are afraid of the fluoride in the water and afraid of all this stuff and the chemtrails and all that kind of crap, those people are just never going to be reached. So whatever. But uh, somebody had suggested that well, there's extra parts in there because the filter. There is stuff put into the filter that is put into the water to make it taste better. Well, how much, you know, six parts in a, in a million better? I mean, he had 23 parts per million just straight out of the tap, and then 29 parts per million when he used the filter. I don't, how's that, is that really going to affect the taste? Now, I will, in the interest of full disclosure, we do have. It's not hooked up to our faucet. We have one of those a pitcher where you put the filter in there and you pour the water in, and it runs through the filter, and then you pour, you know, you get the water out of that. Um, we do have one of those, and it's a, I think it's pure. I think it's a pure thing, and uh, P-U-R, pure. Uh, we've got that, and I don't know what it's doing for us. I don't know if it does anything, um, and it sits in the refrigerator. And I, you know, I'm sure Amy thinks it tastes better. Well, there's a there's a reason why it tastes better. It's cold. Cold water tastes better than just out of the tap water. It just does. And and I hate water. And, and I know, Tim, how can you hate water? It just, it just doesn't have any flavor. Yes, it does. It has water flavor, and I don't like it. Put something in it that the that, that, that you know it's, it's true it'll mask the water won't change the flavor if you put cherry mix in there it's going to taste like cherry but you have to get the right amount in there but I just, I don't like the taste of water never did but if I have to drink water I want it cold you know like if I have to drink Coors it better ass damn ass be cold and that's why they advertise it that's how cold it is it's so cold because if it warms up a little bit, it tastes like piss. Not that I know what piss tastes like. Anyway, so uh, Dimland Science Zero for their fear-mongering without actually the guys being truthful. It meets the standards. It's within acceptable range. But the fact that people hear there's arsenic in it, you know, you ask the guy who said, you want to drink a cup of lead? Say, hey, do you eat almonds? You know what's in almonds? Cyanide. Now, <laughs> It, the sweet almonds that people mainly eat. There's bitter almonds and there's sweet almonds. The bitter ones are the ones that have a little bit 
of a higher content of cyanide in it, but the amount of cyanide in in almonds is is really 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 really, really small. You'd have to eat a ton of almonds to to uh, you know get cyanide poisoning. But it's in there. Arsenic is in stuff. Formaldehyde is in stuff. Naturally occurring. It's in there. It's just the poison is the dose. You drink too much water, you can get water intoxication, and you could die. Uh, that's happened to somebody. She was part of a, uh, she was taking part of a radio com- uh, contest where she you drink uh, the most water in a certain amount of time, you win a you know a blender or something. And so, you know, she does. She drank a ton of water, not literally a ton, but she drank a, a huge amount of water, and she died. Because it can happen. The poison is in the dose. Anyway, so that's a Dimland Radio Science Zero. But I have a yang to my ying, or yin to my yang, or whatever it is. Uh, I have a Dimland Radio Science Hero, and this uh, is also part of my wonderful production. Oh, I hope I can make this work. Uh, This is an ad, a political ad, for a fellow who was campaigning for Congress, uh, to get the nomination, Democratic nomination, down in Texas. And uh, his name is Jason Weston. He's a doctor. He's an oncologist. Works with people with, with, uh, with uh, cancer. And uh, uh, you'll, uh, the ad is about just under three minutes. You'll understand why I think he's a Dimland Radio Science hero. All right, let's make sure this works. Here we go. Giving someone a diagnosis is never easy. Telling them they have cancer is hard. You know that their lives will be forever changed, that nothing will ever be the same. I know a little something about cancer. And let me tell you, there's a cancer eating away at America. That cancer is ignorance, willful ignorance. No, Mr. President, you're attacking us. You are fake news. Using the committee's subpoena power to harass scientists. This list of seven terms are forbidden. Fetus, evidence-based, and science-based. A deliberate attack on science, on reason, on facts. Let us demand that educators around America teach evolution not as fact, but as theory. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. You could almost ignore it. 1,000 residences as the flames turned fatal. If the consequences weren't so dire and so many people wouldn't suffer as a result. 16 people linked to a megachurch northwest of Dallas have now contracted measles. How is it that 30,000 Americans die every year from gun violence, but we aren't allowed to do research on it? How is it that politicians all over the country are trying to regulate conversations between women and their doctors about critical healthcare decisions? And how is it that the maternal mortality rate is higher right here in Texas than it is in Iraq and Russia? And how can it be that despite storm after storm of ever-increasing intensity, we have an EPA that denies the existence of climate change with the global warming. and is actually purging scientists from its ranks? It doesn't have to be this way. A lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. When President Trump denies facts, he's denying the very essence of America. When Congress attacks science and enshrines ignorance in the law, it's attacking the very meaning of America. We choose to go to the moon. Because the history of America is the history of scientific achievement. Not because-
they are easy, but because they are hard. From Ben Franklin and the Kite, right up to today and the latest breakthroughs curing diseases once thought incurable, the making of a more perfect union is the triumph of reason over ignorance, of light over darkness. I believe in science. I believe in facts. I believe the impossible is possible because I've seen it day in and day out in my work. Thank you for I've seen patients get better and if they can get better, America can get better too. We know there's a way. Now, we just need the will. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Dr. Weston uh, did not win his bid for uh, getting the nomination for the Democratic nomination to uh, run for the uh, uh, House of Representatives in Texas. He did not win. Uh, there's an article on sciencemag.org that uh, lets us know this. Uh, Tuesday's Texas primary was the first test for scientists seeking seats this year in the House of Representatives, and the results were mixed. On the plus side, Mary Wilson a former Austin Community College mathematics professor turned minister, has advanced to a Democratic runoff in the 21st Congressional District after a surprising first-place finish over Joseph Kopser, a scientifically trained entrepreneur. Uh, they will run head-to-head -head in a May runoff. On the minus side, Jason Weston, a clinical oncologist seeking a chance to represent the 7th dist Congressional District in Houston, Texas, was knocked out of the race running a third, uh, running third in a crowded Democratic field. Retired geologist John Powell lost badly in his attempt to win the Democratic nomination for the 36th Congressional uh, District in Eastern Texas. The 2016 election has energized many scientists and engineers to participate for the first time in the electoral process, or electoral politics, I should say. That's what it says in the article. Uh, almost all Democrats, the scientists say uniformly that they are running against the policies of D President Donald Trump and his administration and are seeking to add a scientific element to policy debates. However, as uh, political novices, they have been forced to learn on the job about running for national national office. So, yeah, the guy didn't win, but boy, he produced a pretty good ad. There's a quibble or two in there. The the he includes the you can't say these words. You can't use these words are are forbidden. Uh, you know, science-based. They're not exactly forbidden, but they you know, but they're suggesting, you know, if you want to get uh, funding, maybe you don't use these words because they might be flagged. Uh, so it's not exactly like they're banned, but it's, yeah. and, you know, that the impossible can happen, is possible. Well, that's a little rhetoric there. But, um, yeah, it's too bad, but it's a good ad, and, I, and it's good to see scientists getting more involved. Some years ago, Neil deGrasse Tyson issued the challenge and said, we need that. We've got lawyer, 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 businessman, banker, lawyer, 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 you know, in Congress. That's what we've got. We don't have... We don't have scientists, you know, geologists and astronomers, and you know, we don't have these people. And he, and he was kind of calling for let's get some scientists in there. Okay, before I run out of time, I got three cool things. Uh, number three, cool three. That's roughly of the last week. Number three, there's a picture somebody has found of a of a. It looks like 
it's a nighttime outdoor concert or it looks like it, that's what it looks like it's it's it, it's dark you see the crowd of people in front of the stage the stage is lit up brilliantly that's what it looks like it looks like it's a concert what it really is it's a combine harvester going through a cotton field it is weird and it shows you that your brain messes with what you see so don't tell somebody i know what i saw because you're probably not right <laughs> because your brain messes with you uh, number two cool thing my son took part in uh, the march with uh with his students uh, fellow high school students um uh, to the uh, minnesota state capitol this was on uh tuesday i believe it was um uh, or Wednesday, whenever it was, he took place in a march. Uh, they went to the state capitals to, on the steps. There's about 5,000 5, kids from high schools in the St. Paul area that made a march to make their voices heard to say, hey, adults, you, you, you're supposed to be doing something about you know, keeping our schools from being shooting galleries. We shouldn't be able to go to, shouldn't be going to school worrying about getting shot. And, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not sure there's a they're, they're, they have any kind of proposal for exactly what could be done, and I don't have a magic bullet. <laughs> I know that's a pun uh, that will solve all this, but yeah, I'm sure it's a combination of things that could be done, but uh, um, it's good to see that my son wanted to be part of that. It was sanctioned by the school, but he, we had to sign a pers uh, 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 permission slip saying that he could go, you know, he could be excused for the day to go participate in this, and that's what he did. He took video in the portrait format. I have no son. No, I have a son. I, I just, I'll just have to deal with it. <clears throat> you know, you talk to the kid, you talk to him. You know, landscape, landscape. And he takes video and portrait. I just, uh. anyway, the number one cool thing. I was commissioned to do an illustration of a Marvel comic character. It's a swamp creature called Man-Thing. Uh, a friend of mine out there in California, Michael, commissioned me to draw that. And uh, so I, I, I came up with a piece of art for him. I sent it out to him, and uh, he made an unboxing video of it. And I could tell he was rather pleased with what he got. And that pleases me deeply to know that uh, I did something he liked. And uh, so that's way cool. I hope you have had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, Adolfo. Good night. Frau Got to the end of another show. Uh, remember to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, watch a few movies. They're cool and, and understand how the editing can really help things. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim. Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's d-r-d-i-m at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.